You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine, Lila Bromberg, and Brandon Simberg here. And our hearts are still racing. I don't know about you guys, but the game on Wednesday against Minnesota was just crazy down the stretch. And all of us, still, our hearts are still racing. And now Maryland has a chance to get one more win under their belt to clinch at least a share of the Big Ten regular season title. They have the next chance to do that on Saturday, which will be college game day. And we'll be previewing all that. We'll be recapping Minnesota. But first, Lila has a little bit of a special thing to say. Yeah, so we are excited to announce that we're going to be working with Home Field Apparel, um, which is a great company that, you know, is doing some of the most comfortable gear out there. They just launched a Maryland line, and we are going to be launching a special line with them coming up shortly. So make sure to go check them out at homefieldapparel.com slash collections slash Maryland, or you can just go to their main page and find the Maryland line. And if you enter the code to Studo, T-E-S-T-U-D-O, uh, and you can get 20% off your first purchase. So make sure to go and check out their gear. They sent us some and it is very comfortable, some really cool designs and stay tuned for our line with them. We're really excited for that coming up. So that's Testudo, T-E-S-T-U-D-O for 20% off your first purchase. So now we'll recap the Minnesota game and another game where Maryland comes back to win. Just insane atmosphere. It's madness in February. That's the way I explain it. You sound like John Rothstein a little bit right there. (laughs) Yeah, I I hope to be as good as John Rothstein one day. Matt Levine, guys, his Twitter's going to blow up. Go follow him. Matt Levine, double underscore, (laughs) follow it. But anyway, they trailed by as much as 17. They trailed basically the entire game. I don't remember the exact amount of seconds they were winning by, but they were winning when it was 4-3 to and when they won the game on the buzzer beater, basically. Not a buzzer beater, but the last second shot. And it, I think this team just finds ways to come back and win. It doesn't matter where they are, who they're playing. They just figure it out. Yeah, and I wrote an article on this earlier of a season that we had talked about previously on the podcast. But with this win now, Maryland has overcome deficits of 14 points or more four times this season. When it was at three three or more of a season when we talked about it earlier in the year that was already the most in the Mark Trojan era at Maryland by a lot Um, and three of these 14 point or more comebacks have come in the second half Uh, they're one of two teams to do that in the last 20 years and the other team um, Duquesne am I saying that right Duquesne Uh, Duquesne Duquesne, um, I mean that's not a power six team so you know they're the first power six team to do this in over 20 years which, which says a lot. It was the largest comeback for Maryland um, since overcoming a 21-point deficit against NC State in the 2004 ACC tournament. And, you know, there are a lot of people on Twitter have been saying, you know, this is a team of destiny. They can find a way to win, you know, no matter what. Do you, what do you guys think of uh, that phrase? Is Maryland the team of destiny? <laughs> I think it might be just because of the way everything's going. They're perfect at home right now, which they were in 2002. They have the Final Four in Atlanta, which it was in 2002. Just so many things. Oh, don't forget the roster thing. It's a little bit messed up now with the Atlanta Hawks roster now that Atlanta's traded. But remember that tidbit I had where it's like the same player was drafted the same year as Bruno, same pick, same like trade aspect. You can't forget that. So many eerie things that are going on. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's almost weird how it matches up like this. Yeah, um, they certainly can come back in any game. There's no doubt that Anytime Maryland's playing, like, as you saw last night, down 17, they can come back. Like, you really cannot count this team out. When they're clicking on all cylinders offensively, when Aaron Wiggins is making shots and you have Jalen Smith dominating down low and Ayala and Morsell are getting to the rim, like, they're, again, they're, they're really hard to stop. But if if a comeback against a 13-13 team now earns the title of Team of Destiny, then I don't know. The destiny, like, that, that seems like a low standard to set. I still think... Maryland like isn't really trending in the right direction right now, and I want to see them play a little better uh, down the stretch with the tough last four games coming up before I label them this team of destiny because while all these coincidences are nice, I think they're playing a little bit worse than maybe they were a month ago, and that's a bit of a concern for me. I think that like it's not about the record that Minnesota has. I mean, certainly like 
that's not one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I do think that if Minnesota was in a different conference, they would be a lock in the tournament for sure. But you look at Minnesota, and they're a team that, you know, was able to upset Ohio State at home, um, is one of the teams they're able to upset at home. Um, They're able to beat Michigan at home. They're able to beat Penn State at home. Um, So they're able to beat Wisconsin at home. This is a team that is really good on their home court. And you mentioned it yourself that it would be a bit of a trap game. And I don't think it's just like this one game that makes it like this team of destiny. I think it's the fact that they're, it's been this many games this season where they've been able to come back no matter what. I mean, you're talking about at Illinois, at Michigan State, two of the craziest environments I've ever been in um, and two really good teams. Um, Absolutely. Like the, we, we were at both those games. Like they were both incredible, but is giving teams 15 point leads a recipe for success in March? Like certainly even, not, even, but... even though they can come back. Like I just think like, look at the LSU game last year in the tournament. They gave them a, they gave them a huge lead. They did come back, but like some bounces didn't go. But their no, way. that was my exact point in my, in my article is that if you look at both of their postseason losses last year, they faced 14 point deficits and couldn't come back. This team has shown that it can come back. And yes, you don't want to go down like that, but I think it's a different story on a neutral court. I think a lot of this has to do with how tough it is to play in Big Ten road environments. You talked about it yourself with Minnesota. We talked about teams that have lost there. All three of those places we mentioned are really hard places to play. Um, you know, two of those were sellouts. I don't know if last night at Minnesota was a sellout or not, but I think that it's a different factor when you're on a neutral court. Um, and I do think that, like, last night foul trouble did play in a lot of it. I agree that, like, there have been some concerning things we're seeing with Maryland, um, you know, specifically with the foul trouble, you know, whether or not the role, the rest player, not in that. Like, I, it, it is a bit concerning that they're getting into that. Um, mm-hmm. Though I don't really see that continuing as much. I think it's kind of just like a little bit of a blip because they've been so good throughout all season. Yes, the shooting is a bit of a concern, but one thing that really makes me think that this team is trending in the right direction right now, even if they haven't looked stellar over these last few games, is the play of Aaron Rig- Wiggins over these last two, you know? I think a big thing that we've said and experts have said throughout the season is, like, you can count on Cowan and Sticks. And yes, you know, Cowan wasn't great last night. Sticks didn't really heat up till the second half. But, you know, one you have Aaron... I might have to step in there and, and argue that you said Cowan wasn't great. Offensively. Like, in terms of scoring shooting. Wise, in towards, okay, in terms of fine, scoring. Yes, I'm not saying yes. or all around. I'm saying in terms of scoring. Yes. yes mm-hmm. Sorry for misspeaking. No, in terms of <laughs> scoring. Um, and, you know, Smith is out for the majority of the first half I think it's a different story if he's in there but the thing with Aaron is he's now had 16 20 points and 16 points um he you know was able to shoot he only missed two shots last night that are from deep and he still shot 50 percent from deep and he made six threes a game before and I think you know he really is a big x factor for his team and, and it's a really positive sign for me to see him heating up right now absolutely when when Wiggins is playing like that combined with Cowan having a strong scoring game combined with sticks not being in foul trouble I agree. All the pieces are there for a deep run, but... And Daryl Morcell has looked really, really good lately, too, of course, you know, with that shot last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. I mean, Morcell, you know what you're getting from that. That guy, he wakes but up... But do you, though? Because sometimes you're just going to get those shots where it's like... Well, th- that shot I didn't expect to go in, obviously. <laughs> I don't think you're getting that from every game, but you know that guy just, like, wakes yeah. up in the morning and gets down a defensive stance. He like... was snubbed on the <laughs> defensive player of the year list that came out today, I think. There were a lot of guys snubbed on that list, if I'm being real, but yeah, like, Daryl easily had a case for that. Um... Yeah, you know, like Daryl is so consistent, and when Aaron's um, rise over the past two games is what gives me confidence. Because I mean, without him, they're, like they're not even close. Last night, he was a huge reason they came back. I just, you know, they they lost at Ohio State, and they, I mean, and they, it needed a miracle to win last night because you had Kalsher miss two free throws, including the front end once, and Marcus Carr missing the front end. Like they needed a miracle last night, which I guess goes to your team of destiny thing. But they're not like they're not playing as good as they were a month ago when they won at Illinois. And yes, they were down, but they put them away in the second half. So I will agree with that. I think that was a more dominant game, and uh, I feel like they're going to have a really good response um, on Saturday. Just being in front of that, you know, that game day environment, that home crowd. I think that Saturday could be a real turning point for this team. Absolutely. I just I'm just worried that they're going to come out in round two of the tournament on a neutral court without the Xfinity Center to bring them noise and. You know, if they come out flat, like... But look at how they played, like, against Marquette in the Orlando Invitational. Yeah, absolutely, but... That was their best game of the season by far, in my opinion. Yeah, so it, for me, it's concerning that their, like, peak of basketball was 
in November and not, you know, like... Well, I, some the, people are arguing games are better before, but I'm saying that was their best, like, 40... Cons- like, complete yeah, 40 Yeah, games. I agree. Um, I'm just worried that they think they can, that they'll get down early, think they can come back, and they're not playing 13-13 and 13 Minnesota in round two, and they can't do it, but... Okay, but look at Dayton, then. <laughs> look at your love for Dayton, because, I mean, Dayton they was, barely came back against... George Mason, they were winning, and that's no, 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 a team that's way worse than no, Minnesota. No, no, no. They were winning that whole game. They weren't losing that game. They were comfortably, they were up comfortably, and then they pulled ahead. Um, they, well, like Gonzaga, like they did, they're they did, constantly did. behind the teams and that are yeah, way no, worse that than Minnesota. Okay, that Gonzaga thing, that's fair. That that definitely that definitely scares me. But um, that Dayton game, they didn't need three front ends to be missed to win, and a Daryl Morsell prayer. They were off in that game pretty uh, easily. But no, I do think they're going to bounce back this weekend, though, in front of that game day crowd. Yeah, I mean, game day is here for the first time since 2005, 15 years. I believe it's only the second time that game day has come here. Um, it seems like students are really, really excited for it. I mean, they're saying the line is going to start at 6 a.m. It's sure to be a special environment. And, you know, Maryland now has this chance, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, to get a share of the Big Ten championship. And, you know, we'll get more into that Michigan State game. But one more thing on, you know, Minnesota, you know, you kind of mentioned that you weren't that happy with the performance. Like, do they come away with this game glass half full or glass half empty? I think, I mean, it, a, a cop-out answer here is both. I mean, as an, as an observer, I'm a little more skeptical, I'm more, I'm more skeptical than I was uh, on Saturday before the, like, I think they've played two bad games now, but if you're on the team, maybe this serves as a wake up call and you're like, you know what? We're lucky to win this game. We can't come out flat again. So I think if you're on the team, you're like, your glass half full, but as an observer, I'm a little skeptical now. Matt, what do you think? Well, looking at it from Minnesota's perspective, I would say you got to look at it empty. They needed to win that game. Yeah. And I think that played a factor into it, too. I mean, like, the amount of guys that hit some of the shots that they hit, I mean, they were desperate. Maryland's defense wasn't that good in the first half. No, it wasn't, and that, that is one concern I do have. As of late, is Maryland's uh, defense on a perimeter shot. That is a big concern. But, yeah, yeah, you yes. mentioned they had so much to lose, and now they're pretty much out of the tournament. And it, they can look at it and say, oh, we lost to Maryland by one. But no, I don't think that the selection committee or really the ranking committee, anyone notices, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't figure it out if people are going to notice that they lost by one or if they blew that lead. I don't know what stands out more when people are going to analyze that. And it's kind of the same thing for me with, Maryland losing to Seton Hall. Seton Hall had mm-hmm. did not have its two best players in that game. But do people remember that? Like, do people just say, oh, Maryland lost by four to Seton Hall? Or do people say Maryland lost to Seton Hall by four that a team that didn't have their two best players? So I don't know what the committee thinks, but this was a game that Minnesota needed to win, and that was mentioned multiple times on the broadcast. They needed to win this game. They didn't. And now I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament unless they make a big 10 tournament run yeah at, at, at 13 and 14 i'd say their their turn hopes are pretty slim now um one other concern i had from last night and i want to know what you guys think is that for two straight games now anthony has struggled to score and he's shown some frustration um are you guys worried about him on the offensive end no i think that throughout his career ant has always had um like these couple game stretches where he's just gone a little cold offensively and he's always found a way back from it. I think that this is a kid that is so hungry for a senior season. And even, you know, like Matt mentioned, even when he can't score, he finds other ways to produce. So, I mean, for me, like that's not something that concerns me at all. And knowing Ant and just how he is, like, I think he'll be fine. I and think... if he knows his shot isn't there, he'll, you know, find ways to pass and create looks for other people. I mean, he had nine assists last night. I think what concerns me more is, is the questionable things that he did on the floor yesterday obviously we don't know what happened for him to earn the technical foul i don't think that and then him allegedly going at wesson which i don't think he did no he, he did he, he, he still kicked his leg in frustration yes which you like you just can't show up a ref and do that in march because that could hurt i you. think especially with a player like him everyone said oh he doesn't he, like he doesn't pe- some people don't think he has emotions and Obviously, that that's not the case. Like every like, if you're around him, you know that he's probably the most passionate guy on the floor. But he he always did a good job, at least throughout his career, up until these last two games of just 
containing himself and staying composed no matter what. I think it was and a build-up thing those two games, though. I think it's, yes, it's not it's just, just like... frustration. His yeah. shots weren't falling, and the officiating crew, he thought, was not being fair, I guess. I don't know, what, but he didn't react in a way that I thought he would. So I think... I mean, I didn't think his reaction was that poor on that one play against Minnesota. I... Like, I don't see what the issue was there. He must have, I mean, yeah, he must have said something again. Someone said it was, like, him slapping the floor. Like, I'm not sure exactly what I don't it was. Know what if we, if it we was. asked that ref, he probably would say, and probably said, I mean, he probably, he yes. probably said something. He and probably like, said something. And, I mean, let's not, like, say, let's not, like, speculate. But, yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, let's that, not speculate, but he got right, attacked. Like, he yeah. probably deserved, like, I don't, refs don't hand out attacks that often. Especially to they a guy were like last him. night. Well, Turgeon definitely deserved his. <laughs> Turgeon was... Turgeon was. We've seen Turgeon get high. Like he definitely deserved his. Um, I feel like officiate officials don't just give a technical foul to the best player on the floor, one mm-hmm. of the best players in the nation, just because he slapped. I don't know. I obviously That's don't why know I was what so happened. Confused but, last night. Yeah. Um, but I think that if he's able to just contain his emotions the way he did his entire career up until these last two games, really, I don't know another time where he mm-hmm. didn't. I think that his. I think that will allow his shots to go in more and because he's right now it's all mental for him in my opinion i think he's his shots are just going in and out there was that last minute yes uh, in the last minute of the game i think or last two minutes he took a corner three and somehow it didn't go in the ball was literally down the net and it just didn't go in i was like i don't know Mm -hmm. what like it's just basketball i guess but i think he's his game right now is all mental and if he's just confident, which he always is, and just stays calm and doesn't get fed up with the calls and just lets the game play out. Remember earlier in the year, Lyle, you were talking about, he said he lets the game come to him now. He doesn't force things. And I think he's not forcing things, but he's thinking too much right now. He's He's been trying – he's actually gotten to the free throw line a lot. But you've seen a lot. He, I think he's trying to draw more fouls. Yes. And he's, he's been good at it. And now, like, past few games, he's maybe not getting the calls that he wants to. So it's 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 definitely frustrating him. I am a I mean so, six foot guards in March is historically not like the recipe for success. And even last year, Ant was three for eighteen against Belmont and four for eleven against LSU. And I think I think the last two games we've seen teams put like shooting guards on him. Like Luther Muhammad's a bigger guy. Last night, Kalsher was guarding him for a lot like for a lot of stretches. He's a, you know they're they're putting shooting guards on him and they're being physical with him. And that's kind of what LSU did last year. Like. Ant's going to need to learn to play through that physicality because in March, guys are going to be physical with him. They're going to put bigger defenders on him. The calls might not go his way. So he's he's got to uh, he's got to be able to deal with that. I don't think it's fair to say he's not a physical player. I mean, I think he is. I mean, he always No, he's he's physical, but guys are being physical with him. Is what I'm saying. Like, you know, guys are I think Ohio State Luther Muhammad was bumping yes. and pushing him. Like, I think guys are being physical and with him. And that's probably what's frustrating him more. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a culmination of the two games. I mean, as someone who's been around Ant for, you know, three years now and you know watched him in high school like I think this is just like a culmination of those two games of really not getting anything go their way I mean you can't look at both either of those games like like I'm looking at this from an objective standpoint like you can't look at both those two games and not say that some of those calls were questionable like some of them just were yes but (laughs) I'll play devil's advocate and say that's part of the game Sometimes calls don't go, and that's basketball. So, sometimes, sometimes the refs don't call a, your way. Like I'm just saying, like a leader like him, he like when he's composed and just stays calm. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that this anything. is just like an instance. I don't. This yeah. is not something no, no, that's no. going to be like happening every no, game I agree. from that, now on out. I said well, it was going to switch this weekend when he comes back to Xfinity Center, and those two games are obviously on the road, so he doesn't. Everyone's probably saying awful things to him, and now he's going to have everyone behind him. That's going to give a lot more confidence. Just calm and no, he he beat Michigan State two weeks ago, to the day on Saturday, so he knows like he has it in him to do that. I think that'll change. It's just all mental right now. And Brandon, you said before you notice him driving and trying to draw more fouls. I actually noticed that yesterday. He drove a lot and would just if there wasn't even a guy there to make contact with him. I thought he could go up for a layup and he would just pass it out. And I don't know. I feel like he might be anticipating things rather than just letting things happen right now. And that's just for the last two games because he's been incredible. And he still was great last night. I think he had ten points, nine assists, six rebounds. Yeah, as as a, as a facilitator last night, yeah. and and actually the, the past few games, even though his scoring has been there, his facilitating has been there, which I like a lot because 
I think in March last year when he wasn't scoring as much, he wasn't doing other things well. So if his scoring doesn't come, I agree with you, Matt, that he's got to keep facilitating like he has been. Um, and I think Saturday, Rocket Watts, another big physical defender, who, like you said, Ant was great against uh, for the last three minutes uh, two weeks ago to the day. So I think Saturday will be another big test for Ant. But like you said, home crowd, Xfinity Center, comfortable court, I think Ant's going to bounce back on Saturday. And I do have to say just one thing. It seems like you guys are being a little negative here. I just have to say, like, in just one more thing in regards to, like, the comeback and, like, yes, it being Minnesota. But just think about, like, the amount of teams this year that are considered to be top teams that weren't able to come back from games like this, even against bad teams. Well, that's, as a whole, I think, why this team is so great. And, because you had Jalen yeah. Smith with three fouls. Well, that's, that's exactly my you point. You had Cowan I mean, struggling shooting Yeah, wise. I don't think you can say, like, this is, like, an, a huge concern for a team because I think it's a very rare occasion that you're going to have Jalen Smith out for... Like, the entire first half. No, I agree with you. I'll knock on wood for Church. Um, <laughs> that was probably the first game that he was actually in foul trouble all year. Yeah. Like, yeah. legit had and, to come out and sit. And I wasn't, I wasn't like, upset with the refing last night. I, think, I think that is what it is. That's basketball. But his third foul, where he, like, got over the back on Oturu, like, that was objectively, like, a, a horrible call. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like, like, like I said earlier, it's a lot of teams don't come back. And they've done it five times? Four times. Four but times. I'm just saying you have to look at, like, the circumstances and, and like, it, you know. It's impressive they do that, but that's also four times they've gotten in 14-point holes. And that's, it's you know, it's both sides of it. It's good when they come back, but it's bad that they dig themselves in holes. Um, so I think the three games left, you know, two are at home. I think they really need to, like, put their foot down and just just bury these teams. You know, they're good teams. Michigan State, Rutgers, and Michigan. But I think they need to put put their foot down, just bury these teams, win the Big Ten title, show that they can play a complete 40 minutes, and then I'll feel a lot better about them. Right, so let's get into that Michigan State day. Michigan State game. It's going to be college game day. You know, Maryland hasn't won a title since 2009-10. Um, that's when they've they never sh- won a Big Ten title. But, yeah, they've yeah. never won a Big Ten title. Um, they won the ACC Conference title. They shared it um, with Duke, I believe, in... Uh, 2009, 2010, and they haven't uh, won a conference title outright since 2001, 2002. So, I mean, with justice, yeah, Matt, Matt is like another, another, you know, coincidence. Um, so, I mean, with just the win here, they automatically get a share of it, um, which is a huge, huge deal for Maryland. I mean, they've talked all year with players, especially Ann, about you know getting that ring, and you know, I think he was hinting more to national championship ring, but this mm-hmm. is a ring and a banner nonetheless, and you know, just kind of part of that goal. It's going to be the first sold-out game at Xfinity Center this season. Um, And, you know, now you have Michigan State ranked. They weren't ranked in the last matchup. They're now at number 24. It's I think it's just going to be a crazy environment. I mean, college game day, you're having Scott Van Pelt in town. We've heard that a lot of alumni are going to be coming back. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really cool environment. It's going to be insane. And Scott Van Pelt said it with our podcast that, ESPN knew what they were coming into, and he he said that he told them about it, how crazy games are here. And I feel like Xfinity Center and Maryland, the crowd here is gaining a national recognition because Andy Katz named uh, Maryland's home court the the fourth hardest to play at in the country today on his podcast. So that's something in itself. I think this game is one of the highest anticipated, like, almost like the Penn State football game, but I think this is more. And this is the first time. Um, and this is com- more competitive, yeah. obviously, than that. And this, there's just so much at stake where it, there's just so much going into this game. I think the personalities that are also going to be there just from college game day, that mm-hmm. alone. And I feel then, like you might have some NBA players from the Wizards show. I don't know what their schedule is, but I feel like we've had, we had Isaiah Thomas at a game. We've had some Tory Smith and some other people show up. I feel like you're going to see like some names at this game. I mean, in the Absolutely. DMV area, like there's gun. I feel like there's definitely going to be some people showing out. Yeah. So just that in itself, and then you add on like the results of the game and what that actually means to the Big Ten and the standings and both teams seeding wise. This game is, ins- it's going to be insane. Yeah, and Andy Katz said today he was asked. Um, in his, you know, question of the day or week for the Big Ten, someone asked, you know, can anyone catch up to Maryland in the Big Ten? If so, who would it be? And he first said that he doesn't think anyone can. Um, but he said if someone could, it would be Michigan State if they were to beat Maryland and then Maryland were to lose their next two. I don't really 
see that happening. I, see, but, I, like, this is a big game for Michigan State from that perspective, too. I think the national media is giving Michigan State way too much respect. Like, they were the preseason number one team. It's I feel like, like that's why, though, because they're trying to justify their preseason yeah, ranking they don't that they made. If, if, you actually, if you actually watch Michigan State and, like, like t- I mean, Tom Izzo's a good coach and all, but I feel like he just gets so like I feel like the team just gets a huge boost because Tom Izzo is the coach and because it's Michigan State. Where if you actually watch their team, it's really a two-man show with Winston and Tillman. They don't get consistent production for anybody else, which is why Maryland was able to come back against them. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think anybody is catching Maryland, and I think they'll clinch on Saturday, and that'll be that. Do you think that they'll like have it completely to themselves? Because I think at that point that would likely happen. I think Penn State has Penn State and Michigan State play again, so um I know like that's gonna like I, I don't think Penn State I don't have their schedule time ahead, but I don't think they're gonna win out, so I, I think I think um, Maryland's gonna get it to themselves for sure. And I do think it's a good opportunity for Maryland to showcase themselves on national television again because I don't think a lot of the country and like the national media really believes in this team. Like I think there's just a stigma around Maryland that they're, they don't have it just historically. They're, they're not built for a deep march run. And everyone talks about Turgeon, you know, is only going to go as far as the Sweet 16. So I think if Maryland can come out on Saturday and put their foots down against national media darling Michigan State, they can make a huge statement. So I, I think that's another big reason, too. Like, you want to prove to the national media that you're legit. And here's why, also, I think that they're going to win the Big Ten title. I mean, so let's say Maryland, Maryland right now is two games ahead. So they beat Michigan State. They ran three games ahead, pretty much, mm-hmm. um, because Michigan State is now the one team is like behind them, and I think Penn State's like right behind them. Are Michigan and Penn State yeah, tied? I think they're tied. They're, they're the same amount of loss. So yeah, Penn, Penn State, State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, second, and Illinois are all two back in the loss column. Um, but Met, Penn State and Michigan State have to play each other. Yeah, so that's what I'm gonna Penn say. Penn State like, right now has the tie break over Michigan State. I'm not sure how. Wisconsin's at Michigan tonight. It's so like I don't think they're gonna run and they have to go to indiana at the end of the season so like it's gonna be hard seating for a tournament like with those teams that are after oh the big um, 10 tournament yeah We're, they're gonna need patrick stevens to tweet out his uh his <laughs> nightly tiebreaker rankings <laughs> but yeah i mean you look at the schedules for penn state and michigan state okay so you have michigan state after they're at maryland they're at number 16 penn state and then you've number 23 ohio state coming to and them they, and they lost to penn state at home mm-hmm. a couple, maybe last Just, week, a couple games ago. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah, how yeah. many games ago that was, but uh-huh. and then that's a huge game. Yeah, and then Penn State is at 18 Iowa, um, and then, you know, playing Michigan State, and then their one game after that. Um, so I, Michigan State has three ranked teams left. Yeah. And Ohio, or Penn State has two games left, and they're both ranked? No, I think they have three. Let me pull the third. So they have two oh, they ranked have and then Northwestern. And Wisconsin's at... But, like, at Iowa, that's a t- I think Iowa yeah. wins that game. They yeah, should. And, and, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin has to go to Michigan tonight, so they're probably going to drop. Because Iowa's a team that's, like, night and day at home even more so than Maryland. I I mean, you, the Big Ten, it's like Iowa's the same way, Rutgers is that way, yeah. Purdue is that way. There's so many teams in the Big Ten that just, like, look way better at home. But, like, yeah, I just think that Maryland, like... I think Maryland wins against Michigan at home. We'll see what happens at Rutgers. I think they win this Saturday. Like, I think Maryland will have the Big Ten title to itself. I agree, and I think that's a huge deal for the program. I mean, they've never done it before yeah. in the Big Ten. They, beginning of the season, I think they were projected to come in second, and everyone was just... I don't think anybody was picking them, though. I just think everyone was penciling in Michigan State. Then in November, December, Ohio State was the team to beat. So I think Maryland's had to overcome a lot, or, you know, they, they haven't been, like, the favorite to do it. And so for for Maryland to win the Big Ten outright, that'd be first time conference since two thousand one, two thousand two. I mean, that'd be proving a lot of people wrong. And I think, regardless of how March plays out, I mean, unless they like totally tank, I think that makes it a somewhat successful season. I I think it's tough to say whether that would make it like a successful season, just because I feel like there needs to be more progression in the off season in a lot of people's minds and. It can be frustrating. I think fans have been frustrated in the past where it's this has looked like a really good team and then they kind of fluster and that's the true. Season. The, the fan base would be upset. yeah. Um, but I, I do have to say I think that would be a really big deal um, to be able to get that. You know, especially like it's not just like any year. Like it's a Big Ten this year of all years it says a lot. You the know, this hardest has been, that it's been. In, yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't remember a time where a conference was like this every day, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Just so many different scenarios for tie breaks now 
And I also think that that gets Maryland um, at least the top two seed or up to a one seed. I think it would put them ahead of Dayton. Well, it de- it depends how like if they if they go two and one and win the Big Ten outright, like they can, they can't lose again to get a one seed. But I think if they even if they go two and one, I think they just winning the Big Ten would get the top two overall seed. I don't think a seven loss team would get the one seed over. I'm even, not saying a one seed. I'm saying oh, they would oh, get the, the top two seed over Dayton. Dayton with two losses to Kansas and Colorado versus Maryland. Strength with, of schedule versus Maryland with seven losses. Yeah, strength of schedule in the conference, and I I don't I'm think not, Dayton's not, winning. I don't think I think Dayton's going to lose at Rhode Island. Okay, I mean, I, no, if Dayton loses, I think we're. Uh, I think that's in play here, but I just think Dayton with two like if the committee put a two and Maryland has Dayton five team, losses right now, not six. Okay, so this is okay. So a six loss Maryland team versus a two loss Dayton team. I mean that'd be interesting. And that's but, if Maryland also wins the Big Ten tournament. You're saying? No, I think just regular season. So then technically they'd have seven losses because if they don't. Oh yeah, I mean if they yeah. If they go two and one and then lose. I just think the committee doesn't point. care as much about tournament as much as regular season. It's still a loss. Depending yeah. on the if, league. If, if Dayton wins, if, Day- if Dayton finishes the season with two losses, it's going to be hard to knock yeah. them off. Yes. And we'll obviously be discussing more of that yeah. on um, our Road to Atlanta podcast. But now looking at Rutgers, I mean, it looked earlier in the season like the Scarlet Knights were going to be having this dream season. And it has completely just turned to shreds, it seems. They've lost six of their last eight games. And they've won just one game away from Barack. They're 17-1 and one there. They had their first loss to Michigan there. I mean, I, I I found Rutgers' success hard to believe at the beginning of the season, but I was starting to buy into it a little bit and being like, wow, this could really be a special season for them. First time making the tournament since 1991. And it has just completely fallen apart. I mean, that's tough. Well, last night was devastating for them. Or Wednesday night when this podcast comes out, it'll be two nights ago so they played at Penn State they were down I think it was like 40 to 17 at one point it was like that much of a blowout and maybe 40 to 27 I don't remember what it was but they were getting blown out and all of a sudden it's like 45 30 and they just cut it back and they tied it and a dagger from Penn State gives them the win Mm -hmm. it was just insane Rutgers should have won that game honestly the way they came back and that's the thing that would have probably happened same way with Maryland. If Maryland couldn't win that game, it would have been even more devastating. I like personally, when I'm in sports, I'd rather get blown out than come back and lose like in a heartbreaker like that. So I think that just their their confidence is just running out at this point. I don't know, but they really they they put up a fight in the end. They were able to tie it up and they couldn't get it done. Had they gotten that win, I think the entire standings would have been different again, and everyone, mm-hmm. all the teams would go mm-hmm. up and down, especially with Penn State now in second place. Yeah, so. it, it's you hate to see it because it was just like a really yeah. nice success story, but I just think maybe they were a little overhyped because they hadn't been relevant in so long. Like, like they didn't know how to handle it as much. Well, I think I think like th- I think this is probably like they're probably gonna finish eighteen and thirteen. This is probably like an eighteen and thirteen team. Um, that just like cost because they were you know because they got hot in the middle of the season you know it was it was a nice media story but in terms of an actual like basketball team and like watching them they, yeah they're they, not they great. do struggle to score in the half court and like they don't have a lot of shooting and I just and they can't win away from home and you can't if you can't win away from home like it's, like one road win is pretty awful one road win they lost to St Bonaventure on a neutral court they lost to Michigan neutral court um, it's like. I want to like, and it wasn't even like neutral court. Like it was Madison Square Garden, it was yeah. like their backyard. Yeah, um, I don't know how. No. Like, don't say Madison Square Garden is in New Jersey's backyard. I'm not, no way. It's literally like don't twenty minutes away. New York, like that. I'm just saying it's like Come a twenty on, minute Lyra. drive. I'm not saying it's like the same, but it's like is a twenty it? minute drive. I don't think Piscataway is that close to New York City. Well, it's like less than an hour. Okay, I'm like, from Chicago. I have no idea. Fine. Um, <laughs> it's way closer than Michigan was, like by a lot. Yes, but w- with Rutgers collapse, that puts a huge emphasis again. Like like it was Minnesota Super Bowl last night, puts a huge emphasis. Maryland on... keeps getting those games where it's on the road against a team that's holding on to life. It was kind of similar against Ohio State too. Like yes, they're ranked at the time, but in terms of where they're at in the conference, 
you know. I, I mean, Ohio State was going to make the tournament regardless. Right. But, like, but, I'm but trying... Rutgers, like, they need this to get, like, well, I mean, they might get it anyway. But, like, if they win this, they'll probably be in. So, that next Tuesday, like, Maryland needs to win on Saturday because they have another really tough road test on Tuesday. Not saying they can't win, because... I mean, Do you think Rutgers makes a tournament though if they don't win this game? Because... It's going to depend on the rest of the bubble, but if they if they lose to Maryland, they'll be 18-12. and 12. Then they're at Purdue, and I don't trust them to win that game, so they could be 18-13. and 13. Then it depends where they are in the Big Ten, like, in the Big Ten tournament. They'll be, like, a 10 or 11, I think, and then you're playing the 6 or 7, who's a deep... Like, so then they have to win on a neutral court in Indy, so if, if they lose out, if they lose... And I think it's a very real possibility. If they lose their next three games, end the season on a six-game losing streak, and finish 18-14 and 14 without a, with one true road win, I'd probably have a tough time... Put, like, it, it's like they're going to need help from other bubble teams. Yeah, do, for do, sure. You agree? I think so. I mean, I didn't think it as much when we were talking on the podcast like earlier this week on the Road to Atlanta podcast, but now thinking about it more and having them lose that game to Penn State, like, I, I think so. But I think they're going to, like... I think this is a tough game for Maryland because it's a really tough road environment. It's such a tiny building. It's like it sells out like every night because it's like eight thousand people. Like that's yeah, it. Yeah, because they don't have any fans. <laughs> and now, well, now all the fans are here. All, all the fans are here this year because this is the first time they're actually relevant. Yeah, and so like that's a tough place to play. I mean, and that was a tough battle between Maryland and Rutgers the first time around. That was a gritty, tough defensive battle. I mean, so I'm interested to see like if Maryland can get more offense going in this game. If we're gonna have just another really you know, just, I mean, that was like, you know, each team had around like 50 points. Like it was locked down, just yeah. defense. No one's making a shot, but it, it was a really gritty game. So it'll be interesting to see like if they do have a similar style of game, how do they pull that out in a road environment or can they really get the offense going on the road? Yeah. I think if, if they're going to win that game, it's probably going to be with their defense. Like, I just, like, like, yeah. like the game here, I think buckets are going to be hard to come by. Um, but I, it, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a great battle. And, even though, like, I don't think Rutgers is super talented offensively, they do enough other things well, especially at the rack, where they can they can upset some teams as they have this year. So, you know, Maryland can't Maryland can't overlook Michigan State Saturday, which I mean they won't. But I, again, the, these next three games for Maryland are not going to be easy. And is that Rutgers game the most likely game they lose, Matt? What do you think of, of the last three? I originally thought that Michigan would be the one that they would lose. But then I went back and I was like, oh, it's Anthony Cowan's senior day. And I said this on the last on last week's weekly podcast. I saw him. I, I made a joke that he would drop 70 points in that game. But obviously that's not going to happen. But I can see him going off in that game on the scoreboard, dropping another 30-point game. You know he has something personal against Xavier Simpson. That too. Xavier Simpson did outplay him twice last year. So. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. I really think... I would say yes, that Rutgers would be the hardest one for Maryland to win. But the way Rutgers is trending, Maryland could go 3-0 and to, to close. So mm-hmm. I think it's just the, the Big Ten is just, I don't know, everything is just a confusion at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. As, as it, I mean, it's been that way all year. Yeah. It's been no clarity. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. But I think, you know, just this Saturday, just clinching, even if they're just clinching it, and, and they're, they're in their own. They're in the driver's seat. It's it's yeah. on them. They win a game, they have a share. They win three. They're pro. They're if they win three games, then they have the outright. Mm-hmm. So even if they win the two, goal. they have the outright. I believe because they have a two game yeah. lead right now. <laughs> I'm and there's to only the three math, games but... left for everyone else. So. Yeah, technically, I guess Michigan State. <laughs> Guys, Matt is like drawing. He's like drawing this out. Like Michigan State would lose. Okay, so if Maryland beats Michigan State, and then loses to Michigan or Rutgers, and beats Michigan or Rutgers, no. If Mar- <laughs> if Maryland loses to Michigan State, and wins the other two, and Michigan State wins their other two games, then they would still be tied. So Maryland needs but to. But I'm be, saying that's not the game. Mar- I think okay. they lose. The only I'm way I'm saying that, I think they lose one of the last okay. two. So you're saying if they win two games, they but have I the think outright. They can win that out. means one of those wins would have to be against Michigan State, and then they'd have that. I think that would, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. And then they'd go two and one, and Michigan State would drop. I think that would be how it works. But I also don't think Michigan State not, wins their know. last three. Yes, they. I mean, yes, they do have three ranks. It would teams. take a. It would take a colossal collapse for Maryland not to win the Big Ten. Yes. Yeah. I'm just gonna say I think Michigan State. 
Definitely loses at Penn State on Tuesday. I don't know if they lose twice to Penn State. But like Penn State, I don't. A tough I actually don't love at. either of those teams, so I. I mean, eesh. I don't know. I think that's such a hard like that. I think that's a game that could be like a, another like come down to the wire. Both of those teams are so off. Flip often. a coin. Both are, I mean, you look at Penn State last night. It's a tale yeah. of two halves. Like both those yeah. teams are so. I think up they got down. outscored by like twenty something points in and, the second half. And Michigan State on. T- Tuesday um, against Iowa again t- down nine first half that like both of those teams can look so good in either half I think that game is just going to be who plays better for 40 minutes and another team that has been looking really good as we'll switch a little bit now to Maryland women's basketball they have now won 13 straight they've not lost since January 9th they only have one game left but just like you know usually Big Ten women's is not that tough of a battle Maryland has gone away with it pretty easily in past years with you know Iowa was a big contester last year Ohio State a couple years before that but you know this year it's kind of this crazy thing between um you know Northwestern um and so uh you know if they win at Minnesota um which I believe is on Sunday they clinch at least a share of the Big Ten regular season title um and if Northwestern loses and they lose they also clinch a share and if they win and Northwestern loses, they win outright. Um, and they do have a tiebreaker over Northwestern. So they, you know, will be projected. They will be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. And they're currently projected as a number one seed uh, in uh, the NCAA tournament. And UConn is actually a number two seed. But, I mean, wouldn't that be something to have two Big Ten, you know, regular season champions in College Park? I don't know the last time that's happened. Yeah, I don't know if it ever I don't know has. if it, yeah, I actually don't know if it ever has. Because if we're saying the last time... Well, so, Maryland was outright was in 2002. Like, that was back before women's basketball was really good. I mean, I think that – was Brenda Freeze even here yet? I think that may have been, like, one of her first years. I'm not sure if – it's her 18th year. So, yeah, that was her first year, 2002. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was 2002, 2003 was her first year. But they won the national title in 2006. So, I don't know if they won a conference that year. but No, that was a rebuilding year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Here, so. I'll look it up right now, but I'm pretty sure, like, I don't, I would be very surprised if they had both won it in the same year. I mean, if you're talking about this women, this is, they're, they're one of the best teams in the country, and I look at, they're number seven, but they're not getting enough recognition, honestly. They, they're, they have yeah. four losses. They... Most of which are to ranked teams. Three or one of them was to Northwestern, who was unranked at the time, but then became ranked. Oh wait, so, so Lyle, when, when the women's team loses a ranked team, it's ranked teams. It's cool, but when Dayton does it, oh, what? <laughs> Lila, That's so Lila different. Doesn't though. like Dayton. No, okay. it's not that I don't like Dayton. Anyway. I think it's a little. No, I put Dayton in my Final Four. I'm just saying, like. Nah, Dayton's not going to the Final Four. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, energy. No, sorry, but yeah, energy. Maryland was 14 and 17, 2001-02. So like, I don't think they ever have like won it both at the same time and then you look at what like what about men's in 2006 men's wasn't good in 2006 i can tell you that okay. right now anyway i mean not whatever. they were good but they did not win it in 2006 because the last time they even won a share um yeah you're right i mean i'll check right now but i don't i don't um, think so so i mean that could be a program first when, when when looking at like the national rankings like nobody really thinks of maryland but they are up there and I was looking at this. The, yeah, they're 19 13 that year. Yeah. So, according to the, the latest bracketology, Maryland's a projected one seed. And in women's college basketball, the first two rounds are hosted by the one, two, three, and four seeds in each, like, I guess the, the four teams that would go in each part of that region would go to those cities for the top four seeds. So, Maryland, they have locked in to host. They're, they're going to be a top four seed in the national tournament. They're locked in to host the first two rounds. Last year... I mean, they're pretty much locked in as a one or two seed at this point. Yeah. So last year, that ended pretty poorly. They were a three seed. They blew it, and then they lost to UCLA in the second round. They've lost in the second round for both of the past two seasons. Yeah. And last year was just not good, because UCLA was not... They were not as good as Maryland is. And this year, I think I think this year is completely different. I mean, if you look at the stories of both Maryland teams, you have you have Maryland men's basketball with Anthony Cowan Jr. as the senior leader, and you have Kyla Charles as the women's basketball senior leader, both with their final season. Setting both program the records, best team yeah. on the Kyla Charles is sixth all-time in scoring in the women's program. 
Anthony Towns, eighth all-time in the men's program. These these two players have just been here for four years. They started every game of their careers. They have a story to write. Or they're, they're still writing the story, but I think this is the final chapter that they want the book to end in a storybook ending. And the, I think this is the year that Maryland women's basketball could get it done. Although, I, with if Oregon, you look though? at Oregon and Sabrina Ionescu being literally the best player, men's or women's in the country, statistics-wise, I don't know, but... I think beating I think Oregon they, would be insanely hard. They, I mean, I, I would have to see it, but I mean, well, they're the, ridiculous. According to this bracket, they would play Oregon in the championship game. That if, would be one hell of a championship game. If that all happened. So Maryland would face UNC Greensboro in the first round, and then... If if this actually stays the way it is, which it won't, but then they'd have to face Arkansas or Creighton, which they'd probably win that, and then probably face Gonzaga or Oregon State. And the two seed in that region is Louisville, which I think Maryland could beat also. So t- two of Maryland's losses are NC State and South Carolina. South Carolina became a one number one team in the country after that. Not, a- not directly after that, but a couple weeks after. So just th- they only have four losses. All of them, or three. Now Iowa wasn't ranked at the time, and Northwestern wasn't ranked at the time. But both teams became ranked, and South Carolina and NC State were both ranked at the time. So these four teams have been ranked at some point this year. They're all great teams that are going to make the tournament. I really can see Maryland making a run this year. They have the assets, they have the record, they have the coach, they have the senior leader. They have the shooters. They have the freshmen. They literally have everything. This team is so deep, and they only play yeah. eight or nine players because so many players are redshirting or injured. And it's just it's fun to watch. And I, I was calling the game on Tuesday. They blew the doors off of Purdue. They yeah, won by so 43. one fact uh, about Maryland, they currently have the largest scoring margin in program history. And it's top five scoring it's margin like in the country It's like 25 points. I actually think it might be it's tw- above 25.1. It was 25.3, I believe, going into the game, or 25.1 going into the game against Purdue, and then they won by 43. So I'm not sure how that averages out into that. But it's just, it, it's absurd, really. I mean, you call any player's number, or Brenda Fries calls any player's number, they're going to produce. It's and, at 25.9. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So it went up like 0. 0.6 or... Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Your scoring margin is winning by 25.9 points. Just, like, take a second to think about that. Like, that—that that is ridiculous. I think they could run through this bracket. I really do. I mean, it's going to be tough when they have to take on South Carolina. That could be a rematch in the Final Four. Or Baylor, who's up there, and Oregon, who's up there. That's Those are going to be the tough games, but the early rounds, I, I would say they have a clear path to the Final Four. Um, I think nothing's like given in March, right? And just like but I'm a little doubtful because of the past few years, but the streak they're on, like the way they're is just ridiculous. destroying everybody. They destroyed Iowa a couple games ago at home. Iowa was ranked. That's a game they usually don't win by a lot, and they just absolutely blew the doors off of them. And then they did it to Purdue. And we were concerned about this team earlier in the season too, if like the start to the Big Ten slate and those kinds of things. If, preseason we were like wow this is a final four caliber team and they were then we were concerned a bit and now they're back up it's kind of a similar trajectory to the men's team but just way more dominant i agree i mean it's just they that's the word just dominant and it shows in their scoring margin it shows in how many points they score per game it shows in their depth and when i say depth i don't mean numbers wise i mean quality mm-hmm literally every player they play nine and they've had so pl- many most, players in double digits the like. most players they play are nine and every single one of them is is just insane and then they have the number two player in the class coming in next year so yeah i, I mean, guess Brenda this Freeze isn't just the year there. but this is the year with kyla charles blair watson and stephanie jones which you could argue are at least two of their best players if you could argue that blair watson's their third best player and then you, if you, you Mike Sell heat up at the right time, like yeah, and she's just a sophomore too, so she's gonna be here. But the other three, I mean, Kyla Charles is going to the WNBA. So is Stephanie Jones. Blair Watson could make a case just because she's so good at defense and shooting. But 
with the seniors like that, and then you, you can't forget to mention Vujicic coming off the bench can spark at any point, make a three, or do anything shooting-wise also. I think that so many good things can happen because of the leadership that they have and just the experience. They've been there before. They know what they want, and they don't want to be upset again in the second round. They want to get to the Final Four and win this thing, and I really think they could. They could compete with a team. Like, if they're being projected as a one seed, there's no reason why they can't compete with Oregon and, and Baylor mm-hmm. and Stanford and UConn and and. I'm, I'm worried about Oregon um, a little bit. I think they could handle some of those other teams. But, I mean, but what is the then scene? Again, then again, I think... I don't know if a team in the Pac-12 is as good as Maryland is defensively. So when but Oregon like, runs through their, their conference... When Oregon runs through their com, com or I mean the, no the Pac-12 I think is the best women's college yes, basketball conference by yes, a lot. Yes, but I think Maryland might be the best defending team in the nation. I'm not yeah, sure yeah, the statistics fair. wise, but just by watching it, I mean, the full court press works nearly every time. The half court trap works nearly. It's it's just insane. I mean, how are you winning games by twenty? That the twenty five point nine margin. That isn't just because they score so many points. That's because they stop so many points. And they're averaging twenty seven point three points off turnovers. That's a game. insane. That's literally insane. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. So, like, how? What is the scene in College Park if like both men's and women's end up in a Final Four? Like, I think people is College Park as John Rothstein fan as John Rothstein says is College Park going to be on literally on fire? And it's also the spring break capital of the Northeast, but... I, I don't get that one as much, but like I'll let it. it slide. I like it. We need a shirt for that, John Rothstein. But, like, seriously, like, what is going down in College Park if you have both teams, like, make an Elite Eight or make a Final Four? Like, I'll tell you what. Scott Van Pelt's coming to Bentley's. That's all I know. <laughs> and, you, and you better get there early, because that, <laughs> that line is going to be down Route 1. The streets are going to be flooded, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going to happen, because people need to start noticing this women's team. I think nationwide, although they're being ranked a one seed, it's the same with the men's. Brandon said it before. Nobody really is noticing them, and that's almost a good thing because in March, if they do make a run, people are going to realize, oh, this is like this is what they are. So I really think that they could be under the radar. Although they are being ranked so high, they could still be under the radar. Yeah, so we will have a very exciting couple weeks coming up as you know, Maryland men's chases the conference championship, as does the women's. And then we'll have the Big Ten tournament starting up for both teams. And, you know, we're getting into the most exciting time of year for college basketball on both ends. So make sure to keep following Testudo Times at testudotimes.com, Testudo Times on Twitter, and we will have all your coverage. And once again, make sure to go check out Home Field Apparel. Um, as we said, some really, really comfy, awesome gear. And use the code TESTUDO for 20% off your first purchase. And stay tuned for a special line with them coming up.